we need to address this as a medical problem and make sure that we are not being judgmental. We need to be supportive. We need to let the owners know that we are on their side, that we're part of a team with them to support the health of their dog or cat. Welcome to the Vet Times podcast, a concise, weekly, topical, clinical podcast from the people behind Vet Times. Starting conversations with owners about obesity in their pets is difficult, but it's necessary as weight problems continue to rise. Internal medicine specialist Marge Chandler provides advice and info on a fascinating area in this Vet Times podcast. So, there's a bit of a problem, it's been a growing problem, I think, with pet obesity. What are the main problems and what sort of health issues does it cause? Um, They can cause quite a few health issues. Uh, The obvious ones would be things like exacerbating osteoarthritis, both due to the weight bearing and to the chronic inflammation involved with with obesity. Uh, It can also affect the immune system, as I think with COVID, we're becoming more aware, for example, that that obese people with COVID uh, can have a, a worse time with the disease, and certainly animals we know are also in a on a immune deficient state and a and a chronic um, state of inflammation with that. Um, in cats, the probably one of the biggest problems is a is a much increased risk of type 2 diabetes. I own Burmese cats, so that's that's near and dear to my heart because they're a breed at risk for diabetes when they get obese. Um, other areas that can be affected, uh, increased risk of anesthesia, increased risk of surgical problems. Every vet dreads the obese dog spay. They're so, so very difficult and there's so many little bleeders in there when, when you do them. Uh, we're becoming more aware of exacerbation of the brachycephalic obstructive airway syndromes, um, which is also exacerbated by obesity. Some of those dogs, as soon as there's a mildly warm day, will actually collapse and can't even go for a walk, which obesity affects that quite quite prominently. So lots and lots of, oh, there's almost no body system, I think, that isn't affected, the urinary tract, the skin. We see skin fold pyodermas and obese animals. So kind of everything. In terms of the problems and the factors involved, is it just down to overfeeding by owners or is it a bit more complicated than that? Uh, It is and it isn't. Um, Obesity is always caused by more calories going in than are being utilized. that's always true in any circumstance, although it's an oversimplification of the problem. And certainly we see things like hypothyroidism, which can increase the risk due to the lower metabolic rate. But we also know there is a genetic predisposition to it in many individuals. Um, it can affect the metabolic rate genetically. Uh, many of us look like our parents, um, so there's certainly the, an inheritable factor in it. We also are finding out more due to the brilliant work of Dr. Eleanor Raffin um, that there is literally a genetic component of this in some breeds of dogs, especially some Labradors, some um, uh, flat coat retrievers uh, and Dr. Raffin has discovered that there is a gene mutation in some of these dogs that makes it extremely difficult for for the dog to control their appetite. It affects one of the hormones, POMC, that that affects appetite. So the owners of these dogs, if they have this gene mutation, are really going to struggle to keep that dog's weight down because the dog's going to madly crave food and it's going to be a very difficult for them to work with that. So they need to be aware when they have a dog like that, that they need to take 
extra care with their feeding and management. And in terms of ideal body condition, how should vets and VNs best assess this? Um, there's a couple of ways to, to sort of keep monitoring body condition and weight. Um, we like the Wasava body condition scoring, of, of course, which is a, a nine point scale. Some people feel the five point scales are easier for owners. Um, either one, whatever whatever you choose to use. I like the nine point scale. When I worked with students, they often still tried to give fractions. So they would call a dog a 5.7 or something because they didn't want to say it was actually overweight. Um, I think it's easy enough to teach. We have pictures of it that you can work with. Uh, even better than that, I think, is, is monitoring the actual weight. Um, by the time you get a change in body condition score, say from a five to a six or a six to a seven, that's another 10% of body fat that that animal has put on. So that that's a lot. So doing weight charts, I think all of us find a graphic chart easier to to, to sort of conceptualize than just numbers. So having charts, just like we see again with COVID, having the charts showing an increase, a decrease in maintenance of, the, of a good weight is a very graphic way to do this for the owners. They can also weigh their animals at home and monitor that. You can buy relatively inexpensive baby scales for pets up to, up to 20 kilos uh, and that it gives an ant. I do this with my own cat. It gives an gives owners a, a way to to monitor a little bit more frequently and make smaller adjustments in the weight. Is this still an area that has been difficult for veterinary professionals to sort of raise with owners? Is it a difficult topic to bring up in the consult room? It's a very difficult topic to bring up. No one wants to hear that their that their pet is overweight. It's sort of like uh, uh, telling somebody their child is overweight. Um, it's, it's a very sensitive issue. People take it uh, very personally. It can feel very judgmental. Um, so one of the things as professionals we need to do, and I saw the medics have the same problem with, with their patients too, telling people that either they or their children are overweight. We need to address this as a medical problem and make sure that we are not being judgmental. We need to be supportive. We need to let the owners know that, that we are on their side, that we're part of a, a, a team with them to support the health of their dog or cat, and that we're not there to, to blame them, especially as we find out now more and more that there are things like genetic problems that, that can exacerbate the tendency to overweight. The owners are then key, aren't they, in terms of how they then sort of implement the diet plans. Is compliance still a bit of a problem? Compliance is a huge problem. We, we all like to, to feed our pets extra treats. It, it makes us feel loved when they appreciate those treats. Um, and there's a, it's a large part of the, the pet owner animal, pet owner bond is feeding. It's what we do with our pets every day. So it's also very easy to fall back into old habits. There's been a study looking at weight regain in dogs on a good weight loss program and about half of those dogs even monitored gained weight again. So there does need to be in the initial consult we need to explain the owners get them on board once they understand that their animal is overweight and accept that and accept that there's something they can do about it. Um, we need to find out what problems they're going to have. I think we've all left a consult room ourselves with a doctor and think, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you kind of leave and you just sort of forget everything that, that was discussed or you haven't truly made a commitment. One of the ways to help with that commitment is actually to ask the owner at the outset what problems they foresee. You know, so come up with a plan, set goals, 
explain the goals to the owner and then collaborate with them and see where where are the challenges going to be with you for doing this those goals also need to be behavior goals as well as dietary goals they need to be very specific about exactly how many treats you're going to feed exactly how many calories are in those treats and the owner needs to understand very very specific ideas that way they say if you commit to say two walks a day instead of one walk a day or whatever like that that that's more liable to be followed if it's very specific and if the owner has had a chance to have their input into well the dog stays with my grandmother who feeds her cake and then we need to find a, a, a way around dealing with a problem that's actually a really common problem right. <laughs> we need to <laughs> we need to find a way around around things like that or toddlers dropping food or or what kind of treats we're going to use for training and tidbits under the table at meal times and that kind of mm -hmm. thing yeah yeah exactly You've written an article on this. It's in issue 36 of that times. That's available on the show notes, uh, the, the link to it on the website. But so a great area and there's lots that sort of vets and owners can do, I'm guessing, by working together and having those conversations. A lot can happen. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. yeah we can make progress with this. And I will say also prevention is much easier than cure. It's really hard to keep weight off. Yeah. Um, once you've gained it, it's hard to, to, to lose it and get it off. But if we can stop the, the weight gain uh, when they're nine months, the year old in there and kind of talk, have that discussion with the owners at that critical period. Yeah, brilliant. Great stuff. Thanks so much for joining us, Marge. There's lots of valuable information there. As I say, the links on the show notes to the article that's appeared on Vet Times. But for now, thank you for joining us on the Vet Times podcast. Thanks very much, Paul. That's it for Vet Times podcast this time. Thanks to our guest. If you like what you've heard, tell your friends and leave us a review on iTunes. But for now, thanks for listening. See you next time. <laughs>